the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning to you. It is the it is ten minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Friday, the second morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. Appreciate you being with us. And yes, because it is Friday, you know what that means, don't you? It is indeed a free-for-all Friday! (laughs) Mr. Scream is in rare form today, and so am I, because I want to scream about so many things uh, that are going on in this culture war that are going on in the attempted transing of our youth, the kidnapping, hijacking, brainwashing, indoctrinating, cult-like kidnapping of our children. That is what continues to go on, and that's where we're going to focus on a lot of today. We've got a couple of great guests coming on, and I look forward to hearing from you as well on Free For All Friday. By the way, you heard me correctly. It is, if you were just tuning in, you haven't been around the last few weeks, um, way back in mid-May, I said the month of groom is coming, and I changed officially, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the names of the months, January, February, March, April, May, groom, July, August, and so forth. So it is the month of groom because it is nothing more than that. It is nothing less than that, and it is nothing less dangerous than that. By the way, 
One of the guests that I have on the program this morning, uh, coming up at, uh, at 1010, is Chadwick Moore. He's the author of a new book called Tucker, and it comes out in July. And he's the one who got to the bottom of the reason why Fox News chose to axe their highest-rated talk show, um, Tucker Carlson, tonight. Anyway, Chad McMoore, I just noticed this morning as I was prepping for this show, he actually tweeted out yesterday, um, today is Groom First, uh, 2023. And I thought, whoa, I thought I was the only one, and maybe I am. Maybe he saw it. Maybe he saw it. I don't know. I, I literally came up with that myself, like I said, a few weeks ago, as I anticipated and dreaded uh, this uh, this month of, of groom because of what it stands for. And uh, somebody else is doing it. So I was very impressed by that. And now I'm really curious. Is it, is it great minds think alike? Or did he actually see this on my uh, my Twitter feed? And adopt it. But I loved it uh, because it is what it is. Anyway, yeah, there's half of the uh, guest uh, list today. Chadwick Moore is going to join me at 1010 this morning. He's a contributing editor at The Spectator. And we're going to talk to him about why Fox dumped Tucker, about Fox's ratings, what happened between uh, Chadwick and uh, Greg Gutfeld. Uh, we'll talk about Trump's attack on Kaylee McEnany um, and the culture war and the transing of our kids. All of that's coming up with uh, Chadwick Moore at 1010. But before that, at 935... I'm really looking forward to talking with uh, Jennifer Morse uh, because she is with uh, the Rita Institute. Or excuse me, Rita, the Ruth Institute, defending the family, and um, they are they have a full on resist campaign that they are backing and pushing and promoting, and that I want to do as well. I'm on their mailing list, and I got a message a couple of days ago, dear friends. It's not even June yet, but the Pride Month advertising has already begun. Are you as sick of it as we are? You can do something about it. Our campaign to resist Pride begins on June 1st, of course, which I would call Groom First. Stay tuned. So the month of June, as it again reading their literature, I wish they would change that to Groom. Uh, hashtag resist Pride, and I love the idea. And I'm not even sure what kinds of things they're doing to resist it, but that's why I'm having her on. I heard Jennifer Morse uh, speak at the um, uh, the Bringing America Back to Life event that I emceed back in March um, with uh, Cleveland Right to Life. And uh, it was a wonderful presentation that she gave. So I always knew I was going to have her on at some point. I was just looking for the right time and the right reason. And now time and reason have revealed themselves. So she is going to join us. Time to reclaim the rainbow is another message that they're sending out. Rainbow flags are everywhere. How much more are we going to take? How much more are we going to allow our children to take? It's time to protect the innocence of our children and grandchildren. I brought this up in a speech that I gave on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday night, I think. Uh, to the North Royalton Republican Club, and I brought it up on the radio, too. Uh, they didn't choose the rainbow accidentally. It wasn't just, uh, we're looking for something fun. No, they looked for something that would be appealing to kids. And those bright colors are the same bright colors that kids' kindergarten classrooms have been decorated with for decades. They chose the rainbow to draw kids' attention, and that's why they put all of their uh, pornographic literature in libraries and classrooms, on rainbow-displayed shelves. They put rainbows everywhere they can because it draws kids. And that is their mission, to draw kids. And uh, as I noted, you know, the rainbow used to be used in those classrooms when we were kids to draw our attention to them, but not for the purpose of telling us to change our sex, but to tell us that this is a sign of God's covenant with man. That's what the rainbow is. And we loved it. 
And even if we didn't get the religious message of it, it was just like it was colorful and it was, it was beautiful. Who doesn't stop after a rainstorm and look up and see a rainbow and stare at it? We all do because it's a thing of beauty. But it has been co-opted to become something other than that. Uh, so reclaiming the rainbow, another message from uh, the good folks at the uh, Ruth Institute, uh, defending the family. So that's coming up uh, at 935. We'll talk to Jennifer Morse. Now, before we get into any more depth on anything, what do you say we do our Pledge of Allegiance? Patriots, go ahead and stand. Face your flag, if you would. i got a long one. i got to slow down because I've got, uh, I got a long day today. I'm going to do these three hours. Then I'm going to do three hours for Dennis Prager starting at noon today. So we're going to bring the same message to the national audience. And I'm going to ask them to do the same thing I'm going to ask you to do now, and that's be proud of your country. Put your hand on your heart and join us for a pledge. If you believe in co-opting the innocence and the purity of the rainbow for the purposes of uh, uh, confusing and brainwashing kids, well, then you don't really respect that flag anyway. You can take a knee instead next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all so last night um the nba finals were on i know this because my son is a huge nba fan he's 19 he's a college athlete plays football for the university of toledo and as conservative-minded as he is, and he is, and I love that about him, we have great discussions on that kind of stuff, in fact. Uh, I can't pull him away from the NBA. I mean, he's a, he's a young athlete, and uh, you know, when I was his age, I probably wouldn't have been pulled away from it either. Uh, but he was watching the NBA last night, and while he texted me about the, uh, the, the Nuggets and the Heat, I guess it is, uh, I said, sorry, son, I'm watching something else. You know what I watched last night for the first time? I watched What is a Woman, the movie put out by the Daily Wire um, featuring Matt Walsh and his, his extraordinary question that he traveled the country in all different walks of life, talked to professionals, talked to academics, talked to men and women on the street trying to find out, well, if, if we're supposed to believe that trans women are real women, what is a real woman? What does that mean? Uh, you know the story by now, and I've played clips of what is a woman, the ones that they have uploaded uh, a few times on this program, because it's, it's spectacular. It's a spectacular expose on the hip, hypocrisy and the ignorance of the left that continues to try to trans our kids. But I had never watched the whole movie in, in its entirety until last night. And you want to know why I did it last night? Because I'm cheap. Because it was free. Matt Walsh uploaded a link on Twitter to his full movie to watch for free for 24 hours. And it started last night at 8 p.m. So that means 8 p.m. this morning is 12. you got another 12. If you have not yet watched What is a Woman and you want to watch it for free... I highly recommend that you go to Twitter to do it. Now, that's not the end of the story. The story is that it was difficult for people to share, like I just did for you on the radio, for people online to share that link because Twitter shut it down. Not the the link itself, but they limited its reach. They limited its content. They limited its scope. They They would not allow people to share it with others. 
because they said it violated the community standards against hate speech. Now, I watched this movie from top to bottom. You may hate the idea that somebody is fighting against the trans movement and trying to bring some sort of sense of, you know, of sanity and, and of common sensibility to the discussion, but that's you if you hate that. <laughs> there is nothing hateful about the content of the movie. There's no hate speech. There's no hate anything in it. But Twitter was essentially shutting it down. Um, they were allowing it to air, but they weren't allowing anybody to share it. Anybody who tried to share the link or share the content of it was, was basically stopped. And this is a huge, huge problem. Elon Musk was on the defensive all night about this. And Elon uh, Musk uh, was trying to answer some of these things. Um, I can't read them all, but I can just tell you this. People were livid. He was supposed to be the guy that brought free speech back to social media, that brought free speech certainly back to Twitter. And it was true. That's what he bought it for, and he had done a great job of that pretty much right up until last night, I think. But Twitter last night wasn't allowing this to happen. And Matt Walsh and his uh, supporters and followers on, uh, you know, on Matt Walsh's page, they were calling it out, and it was it was it was kind of a test, basically. It was it was kind of a uh, kind of a test that Matt Walsh put out there. Elon Musk, twelve hours ago, so this would have been at nine twenty-one p.m. last night, about an hour and a half after, hour and ten minutes or so after the uh, sh- uh, the debut of the of the film it became available, I should say. Uh, Elon tweeted several things, including commenting and deliberate sharing. No, hold on. That was an update. Comment and, oh yeah, commenting and deliberate sharing will be allowed. Sensitive content just won't be pushed to people unless they ask for it or a friend sends it to them. Let me make some sense of that. That means if you want to share the link to the movie, uh, What is a Woman with Somebody, you can directly send it to them. They'll allow that. You can comment on it. But it will not be allowed to just be posted on somebody's account, tweeted on somebody's account, for anybody to see and grab. They have to ask for it. And the reason for that is, of course, is they were decided, or they had decided that, again, this was some hate speech, uh, this was uh, uh, something that people shouldn't be exposed to um, unless they really went out of their way to try to find it, essentially. That's, that's basically what happened. So Twitter tried to throttle the release and the exposure of what is a woman to a free online community. And last night, uh, like I said, here are some of the responses to that. Robbie Starbuck, despite Elon Musk promising that the real Daily Wire film, What is a Woman, wouldn't be censored, it seems someone on the Twitter staff chose to censor it anyway, less than 20 minutes after it was posted. You can't even comment on it. Whoever did this should be fired. Matt Taibbi said, there are no possible legitimate grounds for suppression of What is a Woman by Matt Walsh. The movie contains no threats, no trick editing, no hate speech. Its satirical point is made using the statements of trans activists. If this can be suppressed, anything can. It's exactly true. Matt Walsh then said, Twitter put the hate speech tag on my embed of the film. There is someone actively and manually suppressing the film at Twitter. Matt then messaged Elon Musk directly on Twitter and said, Elon, the film is being actively suppressed by the people at Twitter right now as we speak. Why? And why would it take until tomorrow 
because Elon had tweeted, we're updating the system tomorrow, said that those who follow at Real Daily Wire will see this in their feed, but it won't be recommended to non-followers, nor will any advertising be associated. And Matt said, why would it take until tomorrow to take the hate speech tag off? And what does that mean that advertisers won't be associated with it? Also, will it be shareable? He then said, is misgendering against the rules or not? You bought the company and reinstated the Babylon Bee after a misgendering violation. Now you're telling us that our film will be suppressed on those same grounds? This makes no sense. So I could go on and on about some of the nonsense from last night, uh, even though I was able to watch the film. This morning, I went to Twitter as part of my show prep, and one of the first um, tweets that popped up on my timeline was from Elon Musk. And this tweet from Elon Musk was, quote, every parent should watch this, end quote. And it was the link to the Daily Wire's movie. The Matt Walsh movie was a woman. And I instantly responded, then why did you censor it last night or allow it to be censored? It's simply ridiculous. But as it turns out, Elon Musk did respond to Matt Walsh and did indeed greenlight the unlimited sharing of this film. This Again, you only have 12 more hours now unless Matt extends that, or the Daily Wire extends that. But Matt Walsh tweeted this morning, It's been a wild 24 hours. It began with Twitter labeling our film hate speech and completely suppressing it, and ends with all suppression lifted and Elon Musk himself tweeting out the film and urging people to watch it. A huge win. And Matt Walsh is right. It is a huge win. It's a necessary win. Ben Shapiro, the founder of The Daily Wire, also, quote, Thanks, Elon Musk. Overnight, visibility limits on the movie have been removed. Elon continues to work to make good on his pledge to keep Twitter an open platform. So it was a battle. It was a very battle. It was a very tough battle. It was contentious. Last night, it made a lot of people angry, myself included. Candace Owens was livid about it. She tweeted, what specifically is sensitive about a two-hour documentary that asks people what is a woman? Positively ludicrous to refer to this content as sensitive. People are sensitive. This content is not. Uh, So everybody was livid last night about it, and rightfully so. This morning, all is right with the world. Elon did the right thing, and now I would recommend to you spend some time. It's It's a couple of hours. But spend some time watching that documentary. It's free now for another uh, 11 hours or so until 8 p.m. tonight, according to what the original pledge was. So had to get that information out there. I watched it last night. It is an eye-opener, and it rededicates me to the mission of resisting and pushing back against the grooming of our children, the attempted transing of our children by confusing literal psychological disorders like gender dysphoria with the social contagion that continues to be pushed. So a lot going on this morning. We're going to talk to Jennifer Morse of the Ruth Institute. That will be coming up after the bottom of the hour break. I look forward to your calls, too, at 216-901-0945 on Always Right Radio. She says gray and Wednesday to Thursday. I don't care about you. It's Friday. I'm in love. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. 
On this Friday morning, it is the second month of the, or excuse me, second morning of the month of Groom on the year of, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, don't forget, we've got a couple of really, really great conversations coming up. Adding to that list is Representative Gary Click, Ohio State Representative Gary Click, who is sponsoring the SAFE Act, which, of course, is saving adolescents from experimentation. Um, he's encountering a little bit of uh of 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 uh a few obstacles we'll put it that way a little bit more than maybe we would have thought that he would in trying to get this thing passed uh it's having some success in committees but it's not yet out and onto the house floor it should be and it should be without delay we're going to talk to Gary uh Gary Click about that at 11:10 this morning we just added that conversation Chadwick Moore's coming up in a half an hour at 10:10 and now I want to bring uh Jennifer Morse to the program I told you about her a little bit told you a little bit about the Ruth Institute as I understand it, but we need to learn more. Ruth Institute Defending the Family is pushing and sponsoring a hashtag resist pride campaign here in the month of groom. And uh, Jennifer Morse is here to tell us how and why. Jennifer, thank you so much. It's good to have you on our program. How are you this morning? I'm great. I'm glad to talk to you guys. I apologize for the informality. If you would prefer Dr. Morse, I do want to make sure that your credentials are, oh, that's are okay. underscored. That's so. okay. That's right, okay. I'm, 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 I'm Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, and I'm actually an Ohio State University graduate. So there you go. Well, there you go. <laughs> Somebody may... Go ahead. So, 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 Dr. Morse, let's uh, let's first start out with uh, the Ruth Institute. Um, I was uh, when I was promoting this interview about half an hour ago. I was telling people a little bit about it. I read a little bit from your emails. I'm on your mailing list, uh, particularly about taking back the rainbow. But uh, for those who don't know what the Ruth Institute is, how would you describe it? We're an international interfaith coalition to defend the family and build a civilization of love. And our main point is that children need their parents and therefore adults need to behave. That's the main thing. And so we're against the whole of the sexual revolution, what is called the sexual revolution, whether it's uh, divorce and abortion and, uh, and, and promiscuity, all the way down to the latest thing that's happening now, which is, well, you never know what's the latest thing that's going to be happening now, but yes. Um, the, the whole LGBT uh, promotion of redefining marriage and redefining the family and, and, and in effect, ending up to redefine what it means to be a parent, um, all of that uh, we stand in opposition to and, and try to promote traditional Christian sexual ethics because we think that protects everybody's interests uh, to the greatest degree possible, particularly innocent kids. I think it is particularly important what uh, to to underscore what you said a moment ago that this is about the sexual revolution, not just the homosexual revolution or the right. LGBTQ. People sometimes tend to take people like you or organizations like the Ruth Institute or even critics that I have of me and think that this is all about bigotry or bias or phobia or transphobia or what have you. Uh, it's not. It, it, we 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 oppose the sexualization of children. Uh, and the deconstruction of the family, whether it's heterosexual, normative uh, sexuality that's being pushed on kids, or homosexual, it doesn't matter. There is a there is a time and a place, and age appropriateness matters, uh, regardless of what type of sex is being pushed and promoted. We're going to push back against it, no matter what. That's exactly right, and and I think it's it seems like it might be a, a bad strategy because you're taking on all of these different issues, but I, but I think it it what I like about it is it goes to the heart of the matter, you know. Why do these things matter? We have lost Christian sexual ethics piecemeal, one little thing at a time. And every little thing seems like, gosh, that's not such a terrible thing. They're not asking all that much. But, it's, but, but you're conceding important principles along the way. 
And as you do that, as the principle unfolds, you go, holy cow, what have we done? You know, what, how did we end up here? People ask me that all the time. Dr. Morris, where did all this stuff come from? Well, the groundwork has been laid for it de- literally decades ago. So, so it, it, we feel like in the month of June, which has become a kind of, um, you know, uh, in-your-face celebration, we won, you lost, you guys, um, it, it's it very important that we uh, take a stand for what we do believe in and help our people feel like they're not alone, like you're not isolated. It's a kind of, you can, you can think of what you call Groom Month, Pride Month. You can think of these sort of very big public celebrations and the pride flag, but the pride flags hanging over embassies, that kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a way of saying, um, you guys don't count. You lost, we won, and you sitting over there, this bothering you, you're the only person who feels like that. See? So making people feel isolated, making people feel alone, that is what we are really trying to address. We want everybody to understand you are not alone. If this is bugging you, what's going on at, at Target is bothering you. If seeing the pride flags on the cereal boxes and everything else, if that's bothering you, if you're upset about the Dodgers and what they have just done, if that stuff bothers you, please, please come over and see us at the Ruth Institute, and you will know very quickly that you are not alone. And that's our main point when it gets right down to it, Bob. That is so crucial. Absolutely imperative that people understand that because people are afraid of cancellation. They're afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of losing their some of their family members if they speak out on this. So it must be I must be only and, and when you make if you make a million people all feel like they're the only one, uh then you know that's a million people who are not going to speak out. If they realize that they one another exists, they that there is safety in numbers, there is security, and guess what? There is some uh, there's some, uh, uh, I don't want to say unanimity, but there is some support for your position that you didn't think was there before, and it's a lot larger. That is crucial to get through to people. And to the point, we're talking with Jennifer, uh, Dr. Jennifer uh, Robeck-Morse this morning of the Ruth Institute. To the point I made at the beginning of that last question about, um, you know, it's, it's all sexuality, not just homosexuality, but the reality is it's homosexuality that is being pushed. It's the transing of America that is being pushed in Pride Month, uh, the month of groom. And um, it, it, it's worth noting that some of the things that we are going to see this month, that we have seen in previous Pride uh, Month parades and celebrations, would never be allowed if they were heterosexual. And I'm talking about the parades down city streets where people are nearly naked and performing gyrating sex simulation acts um, that if there were male and female people would be arrested for but because it's male and male in in 99% of these cases um it, it's celebrated and it's applauded and their children are brought to the parade to stand along the side of the street and clap for this and pet the furries on the head and these kinds of things and dr morse that to me is what's most frustrating here we would oppose this if this was heterosexual uh, uh, performing uh, and, and graphic demonstrations but those would never even be allowed on the streets these are yeah, that's that's a that's a very important point that you're making there. That uh, that that some of, some of our ordinary laws and sensibilities go out the window. And if you if you look at the progress of the sexual revolution, Bob, that that's been the way it's it's worked. It, 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 there's always somebody or some issue that's the tip of the spear that's pushing things even further. So you know, at one point it was it was women. Uh, it, it was supposed to be all about women. It was supposed to benefit us because it's 
Yeah, be, be, because we get to have abortion and we can control our fertility and, you know, all these things are supposed to be about women. Well, some of us figured out very early that we were not the women they were talking about. Those of us who wanted to get married, stay married, have our husbands help us with our children, that kind of stuff. We, we, we were not the women they were ever talking about. We figured that out. Well, now even the radical lesbian feminist women have figured out the sexual revolution is not for them because tra- the, the, the whole transgenderism issue is is invading women's spaces with men, by, by, by men who say they're women. And there are a lot of radical feminists who are really, really angry about it. And what I want to say about it is, is that I would invite those people to go back to the first principles here. Something was wrong from the beginning, and we need to go back and address that. And so mm-hmm. when we're talking about resist pride, what we're doing here in the short term is bringing people closer to uh, understanding our position getting involved. We give people activities, things they can do if they come over to RuthInstitute.org. They can, they can get our free uh, ebook called Protecting Your Family from the Top Five Gay Myths. They come over to Ruth Institute um, Facebook page or sign up for our newsletter. You'll receive opportunities to get involved. You'll get, have little activities that you can do, that anyone can do, because every time you do something, you're going to feel better. I mean, I just promise you, you're going to feel better if you know you're doing something and if you know that other people are doing something. And so that, that's really the whole essence of the, of the Resist Pride campaign right there is for people to have something constructive that they can do. How would you respond to a critic who says, how dare you run a campaign called Resist Pride? If you resist pride, you're telling these people to feel shame. The opposite of pride is shame. Should these people feel ashamed? Well, I, I think this is a, it's very important to say resist pride because what has been done is a, a, a very important word has, been, has had its meaning transformed. And when we say resist pride, we're challenging them appropriating the word pride. Because now what pride means is supposed to mean you're pro-gay and you love your gay nephew. That's what it's supposed to mean. But in fact, pride is not only a sin, it is one of the seven deadly sins. In fact, some of us would say it is the original sin. Anybody who's prideful is doing something they shouldn't be doing, you know. Uh, and, and so it, it's very important to, to go back to the first principles. What does this word actually mean? I know what they want it to mean, but we're going to say this is what it actually means. You know, the thing I mentioned a minute ago about well, women and feminism, and we were all supposed to, you know, fall in lockstep. In a way, Bob, they were appealing to women's pride and saying, you're so special. You've been put down. You've been oppressed. Um, you follow us and everything will be great. You know, and a lot of us have followed that to our great disappointment and to our great harm, right? To, that, um, that to be a woman is to boss your husband around. You know, come on, stop this stuff, you know? Um, and, and so that, that's why I have no problem at all saying we're going to resist pride. If you want to um, holler at me about it and, and, and accuse me of something, let's talk about what the word actually means. I would welcome that conversation with anybody who'd like to have it. We're talking with uh, Dr. Jennifer Roback morse uh, with the uh, Ruth Institute. It's a very important organization that does indeed defend the family. It's right in the title, and we're talking about the Resist Pride campaign that's going on in the month of groom. Um, so, Dr. Morse, uh, I, you and I spoke about this last night, um, and I wanted to address it a little bit more here. It, it's gone from being just 
yay us and pro us, uh, talking about the LGBTQ that is pushing this Pride uh, you know month situation, and really it's quite frankly Pride Month has become month a year. This is in our faces nonstop. But uh, I'll, I'll focus on the moment for now. It's gone from being hooray for us to being anti-you. And the example being this Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence drag troupe that just does the most blasphemous mockery of Christ and Christians that one can imagine, the ones that are going to receive the award from the Dodgers on Groom 16th, uh, the Community Hero Award is, uh, is what I think it's called. And here in Ohio, uh, in suburban Cleveland, there was a priest at one of our parishes who spoke out, about, spoke about that in defense of the church. Did not say anything offensive or insulting to the LGBTQ community, but in referencing the Dodgers, giving a tribute, an award to a group that is just rabidly anti-Catholic and anti-Christian overall. That's a different game now. It's one thing to say we're proud of who we are. It's another thing to say we despise, we hate, and we mock you. And we're supposed to stand there. This priest is being told you should just take that, these attacks on your church, and say nothing. Right, right. Well, you know, again, this this is one of the core um, features of the sexual revolution. It promises fun and freedom. But in the end, it turns out not to be as much fun as it's been promised. And it also turns out to empower the state and to empower those who, who are seeking power. And the, and the reason is, if you're trying to build a society around the idea that sex is a recreational activity and that there's no moral significance to it, there's no social significance to it. And, and, and let's be honest, that has been the, the, the abiding theme from the very beginning of this thing, right? Whether it's gay, straight, divorce, whatever, abortion, whatever the issue is, sex is a recreational activity. No moral significance, no social significance. Well, that's flatly untrue. Okay, that's just blatantly untrue. You really cannot build a whole society around that. And when you try to do it, you're going to end up with all kinds of uh, all kinds of information and uh, opinions, and things are going to happen that contradict it. Whereas if you build society around the idea that sex makes babies, and therefore you better be prepared for baby before you get started here, that's going to reinforce itself. Gay marriage can't stand on its own. Promiscuous sex can't stand on its own. You've got to continually promote it. And therefore, you have to you have to tamp down on anybody who disagrees because people are going to have all kind of contradictory feelings and thoughts and experiences, experiences that contradict it, not just their thoughts, but you know, they're going to do stuff and go, well, that didn't work the way it was planned, you know. Um, so you're going to have to shut all those people up. And so therefore, it becomes... A a a, a, cent, a a tool for centralizing power, where people get to boss other people around in order to keep this thing going. So if you convince everybody that Bruce Jenner is a woman, and you're required to say Bruce Jenner is a woman, look, if they can make you say Bruce Jenner is a woman, they can make you say anything, you know. And in the end, that's the point. And and I think we need to 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 look past the surface here and what it claims for itself and see what it has actually produced. What has the fruit actually been? And the fruit is, um, you know, I as a married woman with children who value my husband, I don't count as a woman. And I haven't counted as a woman for a long time. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's what this poor priest, this dear, dear priest who had every right to say what he said. And it, I, read, I read about it all the way over here in Louisiana. I read about it. 
and and it seems like he was absolutely saying something that needed to be said, and there was nothing objectionable about it. And I um, I applaud him one hundred percent. That's what I want to say about that. Yeah, and I'm glad to hear you say that. And I think that's um, you know those are comforting words to a lot of people. And I think he needs to hear all of the support that he can from everybody in this diocese and and beyond. Yes. Because because that's what's going on is anybody who doesn't. And, and I'll go back to what you said a moment ago. Uh, being forced to say something, you know, if I can be forced to say Bruce Jenner is a woman, they can force me to say anything. And there is that, you know, the proverbial slippery slope. Uh, it, it, it's real. If we are forced to accept A, we're going to have to accept B. And eventually you're going to say, well, you already accepted B. You might as well accept C. And on down the line That's it goes. And, and since the, you know, the same-sex marriage ruling, we have drifted so far or i'll stay yeah. on the metaphor of the slippery slope we have slid so far um there's we're picking up speed there's no stopping it and what my what i fear dr morse is you know we have gone now from men can marry men and women can marry women to men can be uh, women and women can be men and eventually you know people can be animals they're expect uh, they're they're accepting and we are being told to accept their therian <coughs> identifications their furries identifications and at the same time all of this is going on, they're redefine, redefining pedophiles as being maps, minor attracted persons, trying to say, look, all sexuality is okay if it's your truth and your reality. And eventually, I fear this is going to lead to the normalization of, of child molestation, of, of, of literal relationships between adults and quote-unquote consenting children who identify as uh, you know, as, as, as being sexual beings. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and you know what? It's funny. You mentioned that. Well, not funny, not funny. Ha ha. Yeah. Uh, funny, funny, strange. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because later today, literally Bob, later today, um, I'm going to be giving a webinar to a pro family organization in the, U, in the United Kingdom. And it, and it's called baked in from the beginning, pedophilia and the sexual revolution. And what I have to say in that seminar—it's not—it's not what you what you might think—it's that the sexual revolution redefined childhood. So children are not children are no longer um, innocent beings who are helpless and who need the protection of their parents. Children are sexual beings. Children need to have sex without their parents interfering. You know, this has been the gradual redefinition of uh, of childhood and the proper relations between adult and child. And between parent and child, our obligations as, a, as adult community, what is our obligation to children as an adult community? That has been completely redefined by the sexual revolution. And that's what I'll be talking about um, in, in, in this webinar that I'll be doing at uh, noon central. I guess it'll be one o'clock your time. But, but, but the reality is, you know, if you, if you say that sex is going to be a, a recreational activity, an adult recreational activity, the impact on children is going to be... Uh, a minor consideration all the way along. And so the idea that you end up attracting pedophiles, the end, uh, the idea that you reduce the protection for children's innocence, all of that was inevitable from the very beginning of this movement. And that, that's what I, I, I hope people will keep track of. But what you say is, is correct. And you can see several in several different places, you can see uh, people making changes that are subtle that that can very well have the impact of changing our understanding of who's allowed to consent to sex and under what terms. You know, that's where they're headed. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that.
Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris, my guest from the Ruth Institute, they are uh, working very hard on a campaign to resist pride, meaning resist so much of the uh, uh, of the. Uh, e- dare I say evil. I, I think it is. I really do, particularly when it impacts children and our culture and our families the way that it does. But uh, the things that are being pushed on us and uh, uh, during Pride Month, it's very, very important to know that people are out there defending the family. That's what the Ruth Institute does. Dr. Morse, thank you so much for coming on with me. We're going to continue to follow you, obviously, as I said, I'm on your mailing list, and we're, I'm sure we'll have you back on again uh, uh, frequently if you're available and inter- interested, because this is a very important message to share. Well, I appreciate that very much, and I look forward to seeing all your listeners over at RuthInstitute.org. That'll be great. I hope everybody does exactly that. Sign up for that uh, email list the way I did, and you'll get all the information from the Ruth Institute. Support that organization. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. That's Dr. Jennifer Morse. It's 955. Speaking of St. Raphael and Father Tim, I have some information, some new information about what happened on Sunday that I'm going to share and open up for discussion with you very shortly. So make sure you stick around for that. Always Right Radio at AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 9.58. I want to get a couple of quick points in here before the uh, top of the next hour. We're going to talk to Chadwick Moore uh, coming up here in just a few minutes. We spent a great deal of time yesterday talking about St. Raphael and talking about Father Tim, and it's now gone national. The story that we spoke about yesterday, they wrote some ridiculous uh, viewpoints of this whole situation in uh, Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Now it is hit Newsweek magazine. And... um, We've got a lot more information now. I've talked to parishioners at St. Raphael uh, who have who were there, not only at the Mass in question in which the uh, trans person got up and marched to the pulpit and took the microphone and, and, and denounced Father Tim and complained about bigotry and so forth against LGBTQ and queer folk and all the rest, but people who were at previous Masses that day and trust me when I tell you, there's a bit of a game changer here. There's a bit of a game changer as to what happened on Sunday because of what happened prior to that earlier in the day. I know that's a little bit uh, confusing, but I will explain it all, and you're going to want to hear it because I think you're going to want to respond to it. That'll be coming up in the next hour as well. we got Chad McMore coming up. We're going to talk about that. We're going to take your calls. Hour 2 coming up of Always Right Radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward we roll into hour number two now. It's nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Friday, a free-for-all Friday. It is the second morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. Really appreciate you being with us. Thanks again to Dr. Jennifer Roebeck morse of Resist Pride, or I'm sorry, of the Ruth Institute and pushing their Resist Pride campaign. Really great stuff there. Don't forget, Representative State Representative Gary Click will be joining me one hour from now at 1110 to talk about where his SAFE Act 
back stands, saving adolescents from experimentation, and whether or not it's going to get out of committees to a floor vote in the Ohio House and get this thing done. Uh, I really don't know why it's taking as long as it is, but it is, and they're attacking Representative Click, by the way, for his side job, which happens to be as a pastor, claiming that he's trying to push in the Ohio State House his religious views upon Ohio uh, citizens. So that's coming up. Right now, though, I want to welcome Chadwick Moore to our program. I told you about this before, and I'm very much looking forward to the release of his book, which comes out in July. It is simply called Tucker. Chadwick Moore is an author, a journalist, and a contributing editor at The Spectator, and a former Fox News guest. Apparently, that's not happening anymore. Chadwick Moore, it's so good to have you on our program here in Cleveland. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. How about yourself? We're doing well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Listen, i got to ask, um, uh, about two almost three weeks ago as we you know kind of got into mid-may uh i i was looking forward with with not with anticipation in fact with um uh with great concern quite frankly to the start of the the of pride month and i started dubbing it on my radio program and on my social media as the month of groom i'm going to literally change january february march april may groom july and so forth and to my knowledge, I'm the only one doing it until I saw you one of your tweets and your message that said, it's groom first yesterday. So did you get it from me, or is this just great minds think alike? I think it's great minds think alike. And uh, I, when I heard you say that in your introduction, I, I was tickled. I said, oh, my gosh, let's make this a thing. You and me, we can do this. Absolutely. I, and I'm not even kidding. I mean, you know, I, I gave a speech the other night to a, to a Republican club, and I, and I talked about this, how I'm trying to make this kind of my official uh, campaign during this month. I want everybody to refer to the month of June as the month of groom because, you know what, Chadwick, it's not about pride. They call it Pride Month, but it's not about pride. Pride is something you feel a sense of satisfaction when you accomplish something. What have you accomplished if you just said, you know, I'm a guy and I like to sleep with guys? Hey, I, you know, is that, that's not something you take pride in. I believe Pride Month is recruiting month. I believe Pride Month is grooming month. It's indoctrination month. It's pull more kids in month. Am I off base? No, I don't think you are at all. I think that uh, I think the gay community could use a little more shame, to be honest. See how some of them dress and parade around during Pride Month. Uh, you know, I got I got no problem with uh, you know one Saturday in June have a parade, have a party, great, have fun. But the entire month has always seemed completely ridiculous. And uh, you know, the, the grooming thing goes beyond just you know the, the horrors of of uh, sexual grooming for children, which God forbid. Mm-hmm. If that's going on, but also it's political ideology grooming, which has gone full force now that LGBTQAI2S plus plus no longer has to do with I don't know not being fired from your job because you're gay. It now has to do with dismantling uh, biological sex and the notion of gender in every form in society. It's it's you know it's, it's the Department of, of Sex and Relationships for the the regime and uh, the people who buy into this stuff it has nothing to do with you know equal rights or whatever that that happened a long time ago. It's all about political indoctrination. Very, very great point. We're talking with Chadwick Moore. He's the author of a new book called Tucker coming out in July. Since you just talked about being fired from job, let's do that. You came out a couple of weeks back with the definitive answer on why on earth Fox News would fire their highest rated host, uh, the most popular guy that they had, a guy who's become inspirational to millions of conservative Americans who are sick and tired of seeing and reading what they see in the Washington Post and the New York Times and the Here on Network television i'm going to turn on tucker and find out the other side of the story why would they boot him you found the answer can you give us the thumbnail sketch 
Well, essentially, what you're right. Everyone said, why on earth would they do this? And it had something to do with the Dominion settlement, whether it was like a, an agreement to the settlement, which Dominion denied, or if it was the fact that Fox News honchos were just saying, we're laying down the law, we're going to show who's in charge here, we're going to get everyone in line by taking off our number one guy, uh, which has worked, if that were the case, because everyone at Fox is absolutely terrified and quaking in their boots right now. But uh, what everyone tells me, both former and present Fox employees, is that management is just completely stupid and completely out of touch with their audience. And what they didn't realize was that you know, they figured, we've done this before. We got rid of Bill O'Reilly, Megan Kelly, Lou Dobbs. We were always fine. We're Fox. We're invincible. That might have been true 20 years ago. But they didn't realize that Tucker Carlson had become a brand that was as powerful, if not more powerful, than their own. And, and in a way, he was artificially inflating the relevance of cable news because he was appointment television. And he brought people to cable news and the entire prime time lineup at Fox who wouldn't watch cable news and uh, would normally be there. So they made a catastrophic mistake in, in misjudging that their, their power and relevance as a brand in this media and political landscape. Well, we're talking with Chadwick Moore, the author of Tucker, which comes out in July. We'll talk more about that in a second. Contributing editor at The Spectator, you tweeted yesterday, oof, those percentages are dramatically worse than Bud Light. And what we're talking about is the percentage of ratings drop for Fox. Tell us about that. Fox is down from this time last year. They're down nearly 40% in overall viewers and 62% in the coveted 18, uh, I'm sorry, 25 to 54, which is the prime ad market, uh, all across the network. Um, Tucker had the highest ratings in 18 to 18, I'm sorry, 25 to 54 year olds. For 25 to 54 year old Democrats, he had the highest ratings uh, for all of cable news. Bud Light sales, uh, you know, we're all sort of enjoying that backlash and it's been a kind of, uh, Happy-go-lucky time watching that boycott happen. Happen, but Bud Light sales are down about 25 percent. Fox's <laughs> percentages are 40 to 62 percent. That's huge, and people are really acknowledging uh, how how angry people are at Fox and how dumb they are. I think a lot of people, a lot of conservatives, have been fed up with Fox for a very long time, but they tended to give Fox a pass. I think because they allowed Tucker on the air, and they sort of figured a lot of viewers figured. Well, they can't be that bad if they let Tucker say the things that he's saying. And once they got rid of him, I think that was the final straw. I think you're right, by the way. A lot of us were livid with Fox and uh, kind of tried to drop Fox the best we could, even after, uh, you know, the, 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 the stolen election uh, and, and, you know, the Arizona call and all of those other things. But we stuck with it because they did allow uh, uh, Tucker to pretty much do anything and say anything that he wanted. He was almost bulletproof, and he was able to come out with things like the January 6th tapes, or at least as much of them as Kevin McCarthy would give him. Um, how much of that, Chadwick, do you think played into the decision? Was it all about Dominion and all? All about, as you say, management flexing their muscle and having everybody else kind of toe the line now, quaking in their boots. Or was it more than that? Was it was it were there things that Fox did not like him talking about and presenting, particularly as it pertains to the very ongoing controversial uh, situation of January sixth defendants? Well, Fox management and and the Murdoch uh, disagreed with many things that Tucker said on air, and Tucker told me this, especially uh, the Ukraine war, but. Tucker said to me that, you know, they always let him do his thing, and he was always really grateful for that. You know, and the last time I spoke to him, I've, I've interviewed him twice for the book since he was taken off the air and updated the book with new chapters. Um, he had nothing, you know, he was very gracious. He had nothing negative to say about Fox. Uh, but 
it's almost a case that if enough people call for you to be canceled, then it might just eventually happen if you don't have someone very big and powerful backing you. I mean, the Pentagon celebrated when his show was taken off the air. The Pentagon employees talking to the Washington Post about it. Uh, that, to me, is, is, is so dark and insane. Another, you know, but he took counter-narrative on all of the biggest issues of our day against the Uniparty, whether it was January 6th, exposing what's happening there, whether it was the COVID-19 vaccine, uh, the war in Ukraine, any number of things, even down to UFOs. And uh, it's, it, well, he was, him being removed from that space, it was the death of that voice in mainstream media. It was the death of that, which is to say the death of that voice in the official national discourse. You know, most people get their news from talk radio, from shows like yours, or from the internet, but our leaders really care what's on cable, and they listen to cable, and they want to know what's happening there, and he really had their ear there. So Chadwick, we're talking to Chadwick Moore. His new book, Tucker, comes out in July. Tell me more about the book and the genesis of this. You know, one would think that, hey, Tucker just got fired. He's top of the news. Uh, let's write a book about it. You can't write one that fast and have it come out <laughs> in July. This started how long ago, and why did you start this uh, biography on Tucker? So this started a year ago, early last spring, and we've been working on it ever since. The book was supposed to be released May 31st. Uh, I had filed my manuscript in March, and we were just fixing some things and tidying it up and getting it ready. And then, of course, news broke. Uh, so we had to update the book, and I had to add some more chapters about Tucker's being let go and his reaction and the aftermath and all of that. But it was always going to come out around this time. It's uh, now it's being published July 18th. It's available for pre-sale now, so you can order it now at TuckerTheBook.com or wherever you get your books, Amazon, Books a Million, or directly the publisher. Uh, but we, we've been working on this for a while, and this this Amstel News at first kind of you know it will startle everyone. Uh, but you know we realized that this is a book about Tucker's life. It's, it's a biography. Um, I'm an independent biographer, so Tucker's not read a word of it, but he he cooperated throughout the process. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, so this, this part of the Fox firing is just one, you know, a chapter in, in his, his long life in media and, and his long family life. You know, I put a lot into his father's life and his ancestors and, and all that. Yeah, it sounds like a fascinating read. I'm very much looking forward to it. But obviously, most of the attention is going to be paid onto the uh, paid right now, at least onto those uh, added on chapters uh, about his firing. Um, so, what has he told you about it? Without giving too terribly much away, I'm not asking you to spoiler your own uh, your own your own book. But um, I wonder: is there vengeance in his heart? I wonder if he feels like I can't believe they did this to me. I'm going to bury them, or if he is uh, a, a little bit more pragmatic about it. What, what, what has been his response to, as you can best describe it? Well, he said that the first time I spoke to him after after he was fired, he was shocked and confused. You know, I was um, I, I was actually on his last show, which was April 21st. Uh, I was a regular, and you know, of course, nobody knew that was going to be the last show. And and that Monday morning, April 24th, he'd already written his monologue. I, I saw that monologue. It was about January 6th and Ray Epps, and uh, he got a call from Fox News President Suzanne Scott at about 11 in the morning, who just said, "We're taking your show off the air. Thank you very much. Goodbye. No explanation." Fox is still not giving him an official explanation, though he suspects he knows why. And uh, he was shocked and confused, but he was also upbeat. You know, Tucker's a very, very um, energetic guy. He is a super hard worker. He's very high self-esteem. He's really hilarious. And he just said to me, I can't feel badly about this because I didn't do anything wrong. You know, he said, it's not like I had to go to rehab. I got sober 20 years ago. It's not like there's some scandal. Um, so he said, I don't feel bad. Uh, you know, he was gracious towards Fox, but he was also hurt that Fox was beginning to slander him. He slandered him to the New York Times and said, 
you know, he was racist because of some text message he sent, which was not racist at all if you read it. Uh, so that was sort of his reaction. Um, he doesn't have a lot of vengeance in his heart. You know, he didn't. He came off as um, he was more sad that he's unable to work right now because he's still a Fox employee. Uh, he's being gagged essentially uh, until his contract runs out, which is right after the next presidential election. And he's trying to get out of that, but he it was just hurt that he's not able to work. He loves his job, and he's just excited to get back out there. Briefly, Chadwick, what what does his non compete say about uh, about his ability to work? I understand he can't go back into TV until his Fox contract runs out, but uh, you know we've heard tell now of his plans to go on Twitter. Does that does that does that not violate the non compete if you go onto a, a a network platform or excuse me an online platform as opposed to network television or or cable television? Well, most Fox people have extremely tight contracts. They can't even go on a podcast to give an interview if it's not News Corp. Tucker's was not like that. And so for what I understand, what I was told is that Fox didn't have the foresight to include Twitter in their non-compete because they never thought Twitter would be a competitor. I'm sure plenty of other Fox News hosts have that in their contracts. I haven't seen Tucker's contracts, but uh, that's what I was told, and that's the reason why Twitter is so attractive to them. Okay. So so tell me about your relationship with Fox now. What happened between you and Gutfeld? You, uh, you've tweeted that you are no longer welcome on Fox because you wrote this book. And I'm assuming because you wrote this book, you are considered to be a friend of Tucker Carlson's. And if you're a friend of Tucker's, you're no friend of Fox. Is that what's going on? Yeah, essentially. You know, they're not, I've, had, I've had multiple people at Fox tell me they're not allowed to say the name Tucker on air. It, he's like Voldemort. And I was, I was supposed to be on the Wednesday show on Gutfeld. They booked these things weeks in advance. I've been on, you know, basically every month since the, the show launched two years ago. So, you know, no big deal. I knew I was going to be on the show at the end of May as normal. And, uh, and then the day that I announced my book, about an hour or two later, I got an email from the booker, you know, disinviting me with some lame excuse, uh, which has never happened before. So, uh, and then when I tweeted about it, Greg blocked me on Twitter. I'm like, <laughs> what on earth? And I, I have nothing bad to say about Greg or any of the personalities of Fox because I really genuinely like them as human beings. But um, it just it shows the level that people are scrambling at Fox and are really freaked out right now. You know, just just to cap that. By the way, when you say they're not allowed to say the word Tucker, are they not allowed to say that word if they're looking at a man trying to tuck himself into a, an Adidas female <laughs> bathing suit? I'm just. Does that not count? I think, <laughs> targets the exception, I think. Okay, just just making sure about that. Um, I, I I could be wrong, and, and and correct me if I am, but because I try to read as much uh, you know uh, on a guest like you as I can. Did you not tweet something about in response to somebody who said these are not nice people over at Fox or something to that effect? And you said, trust me, they're not. Uh, well, did I read that wrong? Or because I, I don't have it in front of me, but, uh, but but I thought I read something about that. And when you just said you, they're genuinely nice people, I wonder if that you know which which no, of I think is more that was accurate. about uh, about. Um, you know, standing up for this or that. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of company men. I mean, you make that much money, you kind of can't blame them for being company men. But I also think that people deserve to know what exactly is going on and what they're dealing with, you know? Yeah, I do. I, I I get that. I get that. I just wondered if there are strained personal relationships. You get a ban by somebody like Gutfeld. You know, Gutfeld was one of the reasons I continued to watch Fox. Now, I've, like a lot of people, switched over to Newsmax, uh, you know, particularly since what they did to Tucker. But I still like Greg Gutfeld. I think he's a very strong conservative and so forth. But now I see what he did with you here, and I just wonder, um, are personal relationships forever strained now because of this this professional situation? I hope not, but I think that, you know, a lot of times it's like our work friends ever real friends. Uh, you know, you never know. And I, you know, I was never an employee of Fox and it made sense for, you know, my seven years of service going on the network or nothing. But it's, it's, I just think that that's a part of the culture. I think that they're, they're totally shaking in their boots right now. 
Uh, and, you know, I feel bad for especially, you know, the makeup artists, the technicians, and all those people I thought were so great that, um, that the work environment is probably not very nice at the moment. Yeah, you know, here it is. Chadwick, just last question for you. Somebody tweeted, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see if any of Fox's main talent are as principled as they always appear to be. And you uh, tweeted in response to that, they aren't. I can assure you of that. So the principles, not not what they appear to be. Yeah, I would imagine. Cable television in general, cable television is a medium that's built on artifice. And everyone's sort of catching on to that. And, and that's one of the reasons why Tucker, I think, was so successful is he really seems generally authentic and to connect with his audience. So here in that world, there's all these bells and whistles going on the street. There's all these scripts that are being read, these scripted individuals. So it's by nature a fake medium. And I think people, there's so many other options out there that are more honest and more quiet that people seem to be turning to those. Do you believe, Chadwick, that Fox has become anti-Trump? that they've become never-Trumpers now? I and mean, it's weird. President Trump himself goes back and forth. They are ripping Fox, then they're a shadow of what they once were. They're disingenuous. They're fake news. And then he goes on Hannity last night. So I, 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 don't know, I don't know what to believe anymore. What is your overall view of Fox News as it pertains to their political leanings? Do they, do they actively campaign now against Trump? So one benefit of the doubt that I do give Fox um, which was always great, I thought served it well, was if you compare it to something like CNN. So CNN has every morning their call with whoever the president happens to be at that time. They look at the front page of the New York Times and say, these are the stories we're talking about today, and this is our angle. So every host goes on the air, those are the top stories every hour, and this is our angle. It's just the same crap repeated by different faces. Fox never had that. Fox always had shows can decide what they want to report on and also what the perspective is on it. So that was always good about Fox. You could disagree with most of the programming on there because it means more left or anti-Trump. But they, from what I understand, they had always sort of left it up to the producers and the personalities. So I think at Fox, you probably have both. I think, I think management is probably very anti-Trump. I don't know for, for fact, but I would just assume that. But I think the host, what happens on the programming a lot of times came down to them. And Tucker never had anyone looking over his shoulder and telling him what to say. He never had to get anything approved. So the clock strikes eight o'clock at night. What what's on the Chadwick uh, more television? <laughs> Newsmax or you know nothing. You know maybe like a nature documentary or something calming because uh, it, there's definitely a chasm in in my evening as I'm sure for millions of other people. Uh, we all had a routine. You know for me it was have dinner ready by eight and watch another show. Uh, so I think everyone's still looking for that. I hope his new show on Twitter is at eight o'clock. I think that would be nice. I, I do, too. I love that idea. Chadwick Moore, the author of uh, Tucker, it's coming out in July. He put it some extra, put some extra chapter, uh, chapters uh, into that book that was supposed to come out at the end of May. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Get it, obviously, wherever you get your books. Chadwick, I wish you the best of luck with that book. Thank you for coming on. Also with uh, The Spectator, terrific conversation. Uh, keep up doing, Keep doing what you're doing. We really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Chadwick Moore joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Get that book, Tucker. Uh, I can't recommend it because I haven't read it yet, but I'm recommending it because I want to see it, uh, and I want to read it, and I want to especially see uh, all of the insights that Chadwick was able to glean from uh, his uh, hundreds of hours of conversations with Tucker Carlson, both before and after uh, that controversial decision to replace him. All right, coming up on news now, and on the other side, we're going to go back to Bay Village. We're going to talk about St. Raphael. We're going to talk about Father Tim, and we're going to give you some updated information that we did not have yesterday. And we'll take your calls, too, on Always Right Radio.
Okay, it's 1038. Thanks so much to my guests thus far. Great conversations with uh, Dr. Jennifer uh, Roback-Morris and also with um, uh, Chadwick Moore. Uh, that book looks phenomenal. Uh, it's called Tucker. It comes out in July, so you want to look for that. Maybe pre-order that, too. So I want to go back to uh, uh, one of the bigger local stories that has become a national story of sorts. Uh, we talked about this in some depth yesterday. Father Tim uh, Garreau, the uh, pastor at, uh, at uh, St. Raphael in Bay Village, did a sermon uh, on Sunday, during, you know, his homily on Sunday, in which he referenced, if you're just new to this, then bear with me. Uh, I mean, if you've already heard all of this, bear with me, I should say. Let's, let's do this for the new people. Um, he referenced in his sermon um, on Sunday the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, not by name, but this is the group that's being honored by the Los Angeles Dodgers and thus by Major League Baseball for their community service. They're being given a Community Hero Award on the Dodgers Pride, Pride Night, which is going to be held on Groom 16th. So on Groom 16th, um, this group of drag queens who dress as Catholic nuns and do the most perverse, repugnant, vile things that you can even imagine to mock Christ and to mock Christians and to mock Catholics, obviously specific, specifically Catholic nuns. So Father Garo, referencing this in his sermon, said nothing negative about LGBTQ people, said nothing negative about trans people, said nothing negative even about drag queens, simply said some words about how much it hurts to see the church be attacked in such ways. It's all he said, a simple statement, quote, look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, look at what's happening defaming the name of Jesus Christ, defaming the name of every Christian here on earth. It just burns a hole in my heart, angers me, and embitters me. And it should you. We should feel that sting. We should know that sting. We should understand it and fight against it. Not by boxing gloves. There's other means. There's other ways. And Jesus showed us in love. I don't want to give these people a name, I don't want to give them that much credit, but it is happening. It's also being affirmed. End quote. So what Father Tim said was pretty, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you hear it any differently than I do, but it's about as, as, as you know, innocuous as, as can be. It's, it's, it's non-threatening. It doesn't criticize people of LGBTQ. Uh, it, it doesn't even criticize the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence drag troop by name. It just says they're attacking Christ and they're attacking all Christians and it hurts. And we should fight back, not with boxing gloves, but other ways. And the only, the only other thing he mentioned about it is he said that uh, we have the spirit within us. We have the spirit of the living God who is upon us, who is with us, who is among us and within us. And so for those who don't know the story still, um, a parishioner who apparently is a trans person got up and walked to the, uh, to the pulpit and took the microphone and uh, criticized and condemned Father Tim, declaring that Father Tim had, had baptized her and that LGBTQ people are here too and we matter. He never said a word about LGBTQ people not mattering. He said people who are attacking the church shouldn't attack the church. That's it. 
Well, it's gone national. The story's on Newsmax, or not Newsmax, beg your pardon, Newsweek magazine right now at newsweek.com. Transgender Christian confronts pastor on LGBTQ plus strife during sermon. There was no strife that was discussed at all. It was an attack on the church by an anti-Catholic hate group that he referenced. That's it. So yesterday, I had somebody who was in that uh, in the church and during that mass uh, saw the whole thing. Tell me that the individual whose name is uh, uh, Avery, I guess it is, uh, the individual who went up there and attacked the 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 priest, Father Tim, verbally, of course, um, was not even a part of that service. Uh, that this person came in late sat down up toward the front, which is obviously where, uh, you know, if you walk in any Catholic church, if the if there are open seats, they're in the front. Nobody likes to sit right up front and center for Mass. Everybody sits at least three, four seats uh, rows back. But went up near the front, about 40 feet from the, uh, from the pulpit, and sat down on the end of a pew, um, almost as if they knew that they were going to be getting up to go and confront. And he said the the caller who told me yesterday, you know, what they saw, I can't prove for certain that that was the case, but but being that he had a seat in the choir, uh, he had a pretty good perched, you know, bird's eye view, if you will, of seeing everything. And that's exactly what he saw. And so it begged the question that I asked him yesterday. I said, do you think that Father Tim was set up here? Do you think that Father Tim, think this was just a parishioner who heard something that she didn't like, and so therefore she went and just acted out of, you know, in a moment of, 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 of anger or grief or, or what, shock or whatever, and went to do this, or if this is somebody who was there specifically planned to go after Father Tim on behalf of the trans community, right? So this morning, I woke up to a text message from a friend who um, attends that parish, okay? And this friend texted to me the following. Um, Hope all is well. In and out of appointments this morning. I caught parts of your very important show today. This was sent to me last night. I got it this morning. My wife and I just finishing finished listening to the full podcast. My wife and I were at the 8 a.m. Mass at St. Raphael this Sunday. Father Tim made the same comments during his homily at the 8 a.m. Mass. There was random applause at the completion of his comments. In listening to your caller, that is a choir member, who mentioned that the disruptor came in late, it makes sense to me. It very well could be that a family member or a friend of the disruptor attended that 8 a.m. Mass and heard Father Tim's comments and shared them with the disruptor, who then decided to attend the 10 a.m. Mass to see firsthand if Father Tim would make the same comments again. Supporters would have been waiting, could have been waiting outside because they were told by the disruptor before the Mass that if Father Tim made the comments, the disruptor was going to disrupt the Mass and say something. Father Tim is one of the most Christ-like men I have ever met. He does not have a mean or vindictive bone in his body and always comes from a position of love and compassion. If you heard his comments firsthand, they were soft and gentle, as he is deeply hurt by the attacks on his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Thank you so much for your support of our faith always and of Father Tim in this instance. Stay well and God bless. And I'll leave it anonymous. But this is a friend of mine who sent me that text message last night that I received this morning. And and now it all makes sense. I didn't know that Father Tim had made the same comments at an earlier Mass. Now it all makes sense. Now it is absolutely clear this was a setup. That Father Tim made the comments defending the faith, expressing his sadness and his bitterness toward those who would attack Christ and would attack Christians and would attack the church. He said those things in an 8 a.m. Mass. Somebody who heard that told the trans, one of the, you know, this trans person, and either they conspired together or this Avery person just said on, on, on her own, I'm going to the next mass, and if he does it again, I'm going to go get him. This ties directly into uh, a conversation that was held, and I told you about this yesterday, about James Lindsay, um, who is not even a, a Catholic but who said that the left and the trans community, the LGBTQ community, the Pride Month people are going to use the month of groom to investigate churches, meaning to go into masses, and if they hear anything that is is even remotely critical of their lifestyle, or even maybe just isn't even critical, but isn't sufficiently praising enough of the LGBTQ lifestyle that they were going to go after those churches. It sounds like this is literally textbook example number one. Admittedly, it happened uh, in the last Sunday before the month of groom started, which was just yesterday, but but uh, it sounds like that's exactly what happened here. They got wind of a priest who wasn't genuflecting at the altar of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. He wasn't genuflecting and bending at the knee to kiss the ring or the feet or the rear end of the LGBTQ community. He dared to say, they shouldn't attack our church. And that was enough. We're going to get him. To stand up there and call him a bigot to stand up there in the full view of that church and that congregation and to suggest that he's a bigot, that he did or said something, to call it a tirade, which is what it is referred to in the uh, in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, to suggest that he did some sort of a disparaging attack on queer people, as they call themselves. He did no such thing. He simply said he was saddened and hurt and angered that there was a group that he would not name that was attacking Christ and thus attacking all Christians. So yesterday I asked uh, St. Raphael parishioners to call me and tell me what their experience has been, especially if they were in one of those masses. Uh, And I'll reiterate that today, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Now, Tanya is from Akron, not from Bay Village, so I'm pretty sure she's not a parishioner, but she's got thoughts on Father Tim and what happened uh, at St. Raphael. Tanya, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. I was I was I was happy to hear what the father said, but we should not have been surprised. It was Pentecost Sunday, and the thing that's surprising me about what's going on is how they started grooming this pre-grooming stuff. You know, the advertising early, and they didn't think anyone was going to say anything. You know, and we are going to be attacked this for the next four weeks, but we need to have a plan. I know that I've talked to my pastors about this is something we need to talk about. We're not talking about, we're not speaking about hate. We're just talking about how culture has 
infiltrated the church, all different denominations in the church, and the church needs to stand. They need to say, we're not against your life. We're, we're not going to accept your lifestyle as being as tolerant as we have been, but we're going to show you the love of Jesus Christ. But we're not going to have this in our churches. But again, we've always talked, I've always said, Bob, that parents and cousins and sisters and brothers who have have relatives that have alternative lifestyles, they think it's, they will defend them before they defend their faith. That's right. And it's now it's time to defend the faith. I've had friends who have chosen alternative lifestyle. I have relatives. I love you, but I'm not tolerant of your lifestyle choices. Just like I wouldn't be a, uh, uh, tolerant if you decide that you wanted to be a bank robber or a rapist. Doesn't mean I love you any less, but it's not going to be I'm going to celebrate it. There's the word. There's the word. I'm glad you said that word because, you know, it used to be about tolerance. Uh, And you said, I'm not going to tolerate. Well, I can tolerate certain things, not attacks on my church, but I can tolerate certain things. If you want to live your lifestyle, particularly as an adult, go ahead and live your lifestyle however you want. But two things. Number one, do not involve children. Do not bring them into this. And number two, don't accept, don't expect me to lift tolerance to the level of celebration, applause, and, and great, good for you. I'm happy for you. I like what you're doing. It's one thing to expect tolerance, which I think is fair. We can tolerate our differences. It's another thing to make me celebrate you at my own peril if I don't, to the point where I might lose jobs or promotions or opportunities or what have you. That's the that's the big difference here. And I think that the Christianity needs to go back to the holiness of God. I think we had a conversation where I almost you talked me into not giving up on Fox when they had, when they started playing, uh, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner. And I said, mm-hmm. I can't watch that anymore. <laughs> but now I'm at a point that, no, I can't watch Fox anymore. Yeah. Tucker, but, Tucker, real- you know, like Chadwick even said, Tucker was, you know, kind of the, you know, he was the linchpin that kept us watching. Even though there were a lot of other things we did not like, Tucker kept us watching. And I used to say the same thing about Greg Gutfeld. Uh, but now that, of course, they fired Tucker and Greg Gutfeld is, is banning and blocking people like Chadwick Moore. Uh, I mean, literally, what is there still left? I mean, I thought Laura Ingram was pretty good still, but what is left over there to even keep our attention anymore? Well, it's a soft Christianity. Because they'll, they'll talk, you know, Ainsley will talk, but she will, she will be all hey, hey, hey in Bruce Jenner's face and everything else when he comes on. There's a respect that we give a human being, but there's not a celebration we give someone because they decided that they are mentally unstable. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, I, it is. It is mental instability. We're talking about psychological disorders. That's, you know, a euphemism for that. And thank you for the call, Tanya. A euphemism for that is, you know, a mental instability. Uh, call it what you want, but it is indeed psychological. Uh, there, there are psychological disorders, I guess, that they are, that the, the medical community and the trans community and the LGBT community wants to fix with physical mutilation. Uh, it's 1053, right back. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. 
Listen to Financial Food for Thought every Saturday at 9 a.m., the show that answers all of your questions on how to maximize your lifestyle while preserving your wealth. Join the estate planning team Saturdays at 9 a.m. for Financial Food for Thought, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. You can also listen online at whkradio.com. For more information about the show or estate planning, visit financialfoodforthought.com. Let me give you a little word of advice, a pro tip for you. If you hire a roofing company to fix your roof, to repair your roof, or to replace your roof, and they don't give you a lifetime warranty, don't hire that roofing company. Sky Roofing gives you exactly that. Sky Roofing has been taking care of homes uh, and of businesses. That's right, residential, commercial, and industrial buildings for over 22 years throughout Greater Cleveland. And they give you exactly what you need, and that is a lifetime warranty as long as you own the home. Sky Roofing. Is roofing done right for all of the right reasons? Best pricing, they give you great service, they give you great materials, they give you great product, and they back their work. Call them. Excuse me. Bad time to have a coughing fit. But please, call Sky Roofing at 440-349-6750. Just get a quote. Include them in the bidding process, and when you make the decision, I think Sky Roofing will sell themselves. 440 Three four nine six seven five zero Sky Roofing. Still trying to clear that frog <laughs> from my throat that just would not stop tickling until I had to cough it out. Sorry about that. Uh, to my friends at Sky Roofing. I'll say this with more clarity now. The website is skyroofinginc.com, skyroofinginc.com, and the website or the phone number is 440-349-6750. Like I said, include them in the bidding process, and uh, I promise you they're going to sell themselves. So if you've got thoughts about the ongoing controversy and the uh, abuse that is being heaped upon uh, uh, Father Tim at Bay Village, or excuse me, at St. Raphael in Bay Village, I would certainly welcome your thoughts at 216-901-0945. By the way, I was also told this last night. They made the announcement that due to the controversy, and I don't know what kind of you know, media siege they're under or or what it is, but they had one more week of school scheduled for the students at St. Raphael, and they made the decision last night to cancel the last week of school. They've ended the school year, all because of what happened here. All because Father Tim, very, very, uh, you know, somberly and, 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 and quietly, according to people who were there, pointed out that the church is under attack by individuals that he would not name, that it makes him angry, that it makes him sad, and that it makes him want to fight back, not with boxing gloves, he said, uh, but with love. And uh, and suddenly St. Raphael now has to close their school. And the Catholic Church and Father Tim and people like that are, are being called, uh, you know, purveyors of anti-LGBTQ messaging or hate messaging, if you will. It's unconscionable. Yesterday, somebody called me and said she wrote a letter to, or no, she made a call to uh, Bishop uh, Malesic, and I don't know. Uh, if there's going to be another statement made by the diocese, made by the bishop or not, but I certainly hope that they are true leaders of the church here and can indeed inspire other Catholics in Northeast Ohio to support Father Tim at a time like this when he is being uh, unfairly smeared as being some sort of bigot or some sort of a, a prejudiced person. All he did was defend his church. And I will tell you this. 
any priest that would not defend his church from horrible, scurrilous attacks like that is not a not a church that I would want to to attend. I would not want to be a parishioner if the if the parish priest wouldn't stand up for his flock and stand up for Christ and stand up for the church. I think that's all. That's all I'll say about it. Representative Gary Click is going to join us. We're going to talk about that. He's a reverend too. We're going to talk about that and the Safe Act coming up on Always Right Radio, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three. Final hour of the broadcast, final hour of the day, final hour of the week on this uh, this Friday morning. It's the second morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Before we bring our next guest on, and I do want to talk to Representative Gary Click, I need to make a quick phone call. Because I need to get another guest on that doesn't know um, that um, she's going to be a guest. But we kind of need to make this happen right now. So uh, we're going to punch this up real quick. i got to take care of a little bit of business. <clears throat> Hopeful that I'll get an answer to this call. Hello? Uh, hey, what are you doing? I'm in a hearing. What's up? Oh, you're in a hearing right now? That's probably bad timing. Well, I just called because, you know, I've been telling everybody about uh, um, this month of June, which I have renamed the month of groom. And, uh, of course, 23 years ago on this very day, I actually became a groom. And so. Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's something that has to be said here. Happy anniversary for a cheerful toast that fill it. Happy anniversary. But be careful you don't spill it. Happy anniversary. Oh, happy Still the best anniversary song I have ever heard from the Flintstones in about 1968. Brad, that's, that's a winner. That's a winner. I love that one. <laughs> I absolutely love the song. And, uh, no, I just wanted to uh, publicly acknowledge uh uh, our anniversary. I want to say thank you for 23 years of putting up with me and everything that uh, that I bring to this uh, this little party. Uh, it's not always a party, but you uh, you handle it with grace and with dignity. And uh, I love you very much. And I want to say happy anniversary to my wife. Aw, thank you. I love you too. Here's the 23 more. All right. I'm sorry I interrupted your work. That's okay. I'm on Zoom, so it's it's all good. I can pretend like I'm not talking. <laughs> all right. Thank you, sweetie. I love you. Bye-bye. Love you, too. Bye-bye.
There you go. Still my favorite song, by the way. How could I ever forget the happiest day of my life? Attaboy, Fred. Well done, young man. All right, let's move onward now. Uh, so when I call this the month of groom, uh, groom uh, uh, second 2023, it, it's literal for me. I was uh, I became a groom 23 years ago today. Uh, so there you have it. Let's bring in Gary Click now, State Representative Gary Click, uh, to join us on AM 1420, The Answer, as promised. Representative Click, good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, well, good morning, and uh, congratulations are in order. 23 years. Wow, God bless you. Yeah, we are very blessed. We are very, I am very blessed. She might be cursed a little bit more <laughs> than, than blessed. <laughs> but she, uh, I feel, I've had 33 years, and uh, my I certainly got the better end of that deal. Yeah, well, that good, good that we share that in common, among many other things, Representative Click. So, so I appreciate you coming on. Uh, getting back to the business at hand now. Um, I'm glad you, you know, to bring you on as a state representative, but also as a reverend, I want to talk about a, a little situation, actually a couple of situations in which people uh, of faith, in particular faith leaders like yourself <clears throat> as a pastor, um, are under attack because of this, um, you know, this, this, this culture war that we are in and the continued attempt to trans, uh, the youngest generation, trans our kids. Um, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. First of all, the situation in Bay Village that we've been discussing with Father Tim, uh, 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 who is the pastor at St. Raphael in Bay Village. He gave a sermon on Sunday that led to a trans person in the congregation storming the pulpit, taking the microphone, and basically dressing him down for daring to attack LGBTQ. He did no such thing, of course. All he did was defend the church against an attack by a, a very, right. a, a very uh, 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 hateful anti-Catholic group, uh, this 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 drag troop uh, out in California. So, so I wanted to ask you about that, and then we'll talk about the Safe Act and about some of the things that you are facing as you promote the protection of our children as well. But but uh, you've heard you've heard this attack on faith before. It's one thing I said this to uh, my guest previously. It's one thing for the Pride Month celebrators to quote unquote celebrate their pride. It's another thing for them to be actively hostile and anger angry and hateful toward uh, toward people of faith that they assume because of their faith may be against them. Well, you know, number one, uh, pride is chief sin. You know, the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, regardless of what you're proud about. You know, I've been taught to be humble. Uh, I'm not always great at it, but that I always strive to be uh, humble and to live in humility. And first of all, you just praise God for the pastor who stands up and tells the truth. Um, listen, we've had we've had a gentleman who's been coming to our church for uh, probably about two months sitting in. A uh, member of the LGBTQ community who hates the Safe Act, and it's kind of there. He's been, you know, he's behaving himself, but he comes in, he wears, you know, women's spandex, or he wears a dress or a skirt or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. And I think he's trying to uh, trigger us a little bit. But the reality is, is he's not gotten what he's looking for because our church is a church that loves people, don't care where you come from, what your background is. We believe in the biblical definition of human sexuality, but we love everyone, and he's we, everybody in our church has just greeted him welcomed him and loved on him and uh i but i you know we've been waiting and the first time he showed up we were kind of waiting for that time when he was going to maybe do an outburst like that in our church but he hasn't and uh, the good news is he gets to hear the preaching of the gospel every time he's there and he gets to be loved on by christians and that's the way we ought to be doing things in church but i, I praise god for a pastor who's willing to take a stand who's willing to preach the truth and, and stand up for righteousness you know, uh, well said, and I praise God for that as well, <clears throat> and I thank God for that. 
and I thank God for people like you uh, who who are who are doing two things, and you're being <clears throat> excuse me, you're being criticized and condemned. I cannot seem to shake this frog in my throat. <clears throat> my apologies. But you're doing two things, and you're being condemned for it. Number one, you're a state representative. You're rep- representing constituents in your district uh, in Columbus, and, uh, and, and that is certainly uh, worthy of our respect. You are also, as a pastor, representing God in, uh, in preaching to your flock. And some are saying that you, Representative Gary Click, cannot do both. And as a matter of fact, you, mm-hmm. trying to push things like the SAFE Act, which stands for Saving Adolescents from Experimentation, you are trying to force your faith and your religion uh, into the uh, into the political arena and into the legislative arena, and that those two things cannot combine. Uh, that's what many of the critics in the, in print have said about you, uh, and other places as well. I want to give you a chance to respond. Are you letting your own faith and your belief in Christ? drive decisions that you make when you propose legislation in your job as a representative, Gary Click? To a small extent. When Reuters called to interview me, they never did publish this, but they said, well, is there a verse that goes along with what you're doing? I said, yes. Uh, Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. And so I am loving on these kids who identify as trans. I'm loving on these kids with gender dysphoria. And I ask myself, you know, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I think if I was a kid who was confused, and lots of kids are confused, they're not bad kids, they're not bad people, but they have some confusion for different reasons. Some of them have been molested. Some of them have psychological uh, issues that are going on or mental health issues. Uh, and, and that's okay. We should love on those kids. But I think if I was in that particular situation, would I want to be pushed into having life-altering hormones thrust upon me, hormone blockers, and surgeries, and the answer is, as an adult, is like, no, I, I, there's lots of things I wanted when I was a kid, and lots of kids, kids don't know who they are, despite what they ever claim. And let me just add this, people who think that Christians or pastors should not be engaged do not know their history. The very first speaker of the United States House of Representatives was Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg, who was a pastor. Uh, his brother, uh, John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg, was also in the legislature, he was also a pastor. <laughs> Uh, they were both Lutherans. Their father was the father of Lutheranism in America, and uh, they both served in that first legislature. There's actually a statue of John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg in in the Capitol building where he is taking off his clerical robes, and underneath is a military uniform. And that day he said, to, he preached a message out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, that says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. He said, now is the time to fight. Who will join me? And he recruited 300 men to go fight with him in the Revolutionary War. Men of faith are a part of the foundation. Without men of faith, we would not have our country. It was Elder John Leland, a, a Baptist preacher, who is the one who went to fight for the Constitution, or for the Bill of Rights of the Constitution. And without him, Madison would not have been elected to the Constitutional Convention and would not have advocated for a Bill of Rights. And without that pastor being engaged, we would not have the Constitution that we have today. Pastors have always played a pivotal role. The most quoted, according to uh, uh, research, the most quoted resource by our founding fathers was the Bible, and the most quoted portion of the Bible was the book of Deuteronomy. And so, so we have a strong, strong heritage of pastors being engaged. But can you be engaged and still not be pushing your religion? Absolutely, because religion and science go together. You know, as Isaiah forty twenty two said, that 
the earth is round back when they all thought it was a flat earth. But I guess we have to write that out. Maybe we have to write out things like murder, uh, theft, or perjury, because those are all in the Ten Commandments. Maybe we shouldn't include those anymore, uh, because that would be us imposing our religion on society. We're talking to State Representative Gary Click, who also happens to be a pastor. And uh, I want to read, <clears throat> quote, um, one of the criticisms. Uh, this one actually came, I think, from somebody out in Los Angeles. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if I necessarily have these two... Um, uh, these two uh, uh, segments together. But uh, an author who criticized you <clears throat> says that, quote, HB 68 carries forward a trend of religious organizations trying to front anti-trans bills while pretending their motivations are based in science. Anti-trans bills are not driven by science, and their sponsors are being intentionally dishonest when making these claims. Instead, they speak to legislate or they seek to legislate morality. Now, you just said that religion and science actually go together. You offered plenty of evidence of that. But how do you respond to these particular individuals as it pertains to the SAFE Act? Well, first of all, there are two, two trans people, so two men who used she, her, or they, them pronouns, wrote these articles. That was Aaron Reed who wrote in the L.A. Blade. And then there's Riley Roloff or, Roloff or whatever who's here in Ohio and Riley. It has XY chromosomes just like you and I do, but it goes back and forth between they, them, and she, her. But it's really a he, him. And they, obviously, they have a bias in their writing. Their, the writing is very hateful. It's very misinforming and, and very untruthful. The fact of the matter is, is I did not, and I intentionally did not go into the legislature and say, the Bible says X, Y, and Z. In fact, there are many people who, like our good friend John Stover, who supports us. He would be happy to testify, but what I've asked all the religious groups and the faith-based groups to do is to pray, because we have a limited number of witnesses, and our witnesses come from people who have life experience. So maybe they are detransitioners. We have a person who lives a trans life who is testifying in favor of this bill. We've had gays and lesbians who have testified in favor of this bill, who support this bill. Even Richard Dawkins, the known uh, atheist, has said he supports things like what we're doing, because it just takes common sense. The science supports what we are doing. So everything I've said is backed up by science, and it's backed up by life experience, and it happens to coordinate with what the Bible says. And, you know, it's been said that science is just thinking God thought after him. And so we can look at the Bible and what the Bible says uh, for our own personal edification, but if we're going to make a law, we should look and say, okay, does what the Bible say, is it reflected in the sciences, in, in life experiences? And it always is because the Bible's true. So if the Bible's true, we should expect to see it in society. And so when I legislate, I take the physical evidence and I take the personal experiences and the, the material evidence, and that's what I use to legislate. And it, it just so happens by some odd coincidence that the science reflects what God says. There's a, a letter to the editor of the Cleveland Plain Dealer that reads in part, In the hearing, committee members repeatedly asked if witnesses were in favor of surgery to remove perfectly healthy penises, testicles, or breasts from persons under age 18. This narrow focus on a surgical procedure that, according to witnesses and professional medical societies, is not performed in Ohio, was clearly meant to elicit the same alarm that has been for years used to buttress support for other policies that control or limit individual freedoms. 
Can you respond to that representative click? What is allowed in the state of Ohio now? This person claims that so it's actually. Not. So first of all, everything is allowed because there's no law banning it. Even the things that are not happening or may not be happening are allowed. And uh, and so we brought that out. I have never accused, made the accusation of uh, testicles and penises being removed on minors. But it seemed like after that question kept ask, being asked repeatedly, it, it, it almost felt like the hospitals actually acknowledged that that's happening. The hospitals will tell you that it's not happening in the hospitals. I've never argued that it is happening in the hospitals, but they do make referrals or recommendations. If you pay attention to the testimony, they were driven on that, and they said, listen, uh, we don't technically make referrals. Well, what do you mean technically? Well, then finally, after being grilled and grilled and grilled, she says, well, do we ever tell someone that we don't do it, but they can get it done somewhere else? Well, maybe. <laughs> so, so what they're saying is, yes, we, we do refer. We just don't call it a technical referral. We just inform people where they can get it done. I have two recordings that were made from uh, different, uh, one of the Cleveland Surgical Center, where they actually, on a phone call, will tell a prospective uh, parent, uh, yes, we do this on 16-year-olds, and they will do it on 15-year-olds if, for instance, you turn 16 maybe in October, you want to get it done before school starts. They will do that. Even, even um, uh, NBC4 on the spectrum, Colleen Marshall actually did her own investigation and said that it is being done on 16-year-olds. And she denied it's being done on 15-year-olds, but it is. Uh, and those things are happening. But the root of all of this, and we have to remember this, that's not the core of the bill. That does happen, and that is what I might call the shiny object. But the worst thing that is happening is the puberty blockers. The puberty blockers they put these kids on affect a child's choice. Eighty-five to ninety-five percent of kids who uh, just go through puberty, their gender dysphoria will dissipate, and it happens naturally. You don't have to push the child. You don't have to convince the child. You don't have to condemn the child, and you never should. It just happens naturally. It's just kind of the way God made us. Imagine that. But when you put a child on puberty blockers, 98% of those children will proceed to cross-sex hormones or opposite-sex hormones or wrong hormones, whatever you want to call it. And then by the time they are 16, 17, or 18, they may and most likely will proceed to surgical interventions. And it's not until about 10 years later when regret really begins to set in, and that's when we know that they are 19 times more likely, according to studies, to take their own life, not just to have suicidal ideation. The left tells you that, that affirming their gender identity, which is means affirming them as the wrong sex, mm-hmm. that the suicide rates go down, the suicide risk of suicide goes down. No. There's a temporary honeymoon. Uh, you gave me what I wanted. You know, I'm on a euphoria. I got a high uh, out of this. And for a few years, yes, and then until they get the next thing, until they get the next thing, until they get the next thing, until they've destroyed their bodies where there's no turning back physically, and then they realize, you know, this did not make me the opposite sex. And that's when regret sets in, and that's when they feel trapped, and that's when the rate of suicide not just ideations, but actually accomplishment of suicide goes up. We are trying to save kids' lives. And that's why we have you know, gay people, we have lesbian people, we have trans people that agree with us in this. Doctors agree with us in this. 
Many of them are not allowed to testify. We have some who have testified, some who will testify. Uh, and and when I talk to doctors off the record, they all say, oh, yeah, that, what are we doing to get? That's ridiculous. But many of them Represent- who work for an association or work for a hospital, they're not allowed to, to give the testimony. Yeah. What are we doing to kids? We're, or what are we, we trying to do to kids? It's exactly what you just said. Save their lives. Uh, Representative Gary Click, also a pastor, thank you for weighing in on all of these issues, not only uh, uh, the legislation, but what's going on in these churches and houses of worship as well. Uh, we, we urge everyone to contact your representative to tell them to pass the SAFE Act, get it out of committee, get it onto the floor, save kids' lives. That's exactly what has happened, as is, with no weakening, no changes of it, no amending of it whatsoever. Uh, it is it is really about as cut and dried as it gets. Uh, Representative Gary Click, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on, sir. I wish you a, a, a very wonderful weekend. Thank you. Thanks for being a champion, Bob. God bless you. God bless you, too. It's 1128. we got one more segment to go. I've got three more hours to go. I'll be hosting for Dennis Prager today. Uh, but uh, we've got one more segment to go together, so we'll take some phone calls from you. As we continue in the month of groom on AM 1420, The Answer. Sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob France on the answer. Final segment of the broadcast is underway. I'm going to take a few phone calls at 216-901-0945. I am going for three more solid hours after this, so if you want to stick around and listen to me on the Dennis Prager website, DennisPrager.com, or on the Salem News Channel, or watch it any other uh, variety of ways, uh, by all means, I welcome you. Charlie Kirk is going to be here uh, from noon to one until uh, uh, we bring in Dennis Prager's show at one, but I'll be doing all three of those hours uh, at DennisPrager.com. So I'm looking forward to that conversation with uh, with Dennis's nationwide audience. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Though John wants to get on the air in Berea, now on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, John. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, I'd like to think, ask you what you think about this idea, the oh. old adage. And the old adage is uh, when you push too hard, sometimes you get pushed back. Thinking about... Uh, the Anheuser-Busch situation, the situation with Target, and this wonderful priest who had the guts to get up there and to talk about uh, what he what he talked about that you had already talked about. Uh, that that maybe at least part of what's going on is pushback from people who are tired of getting hammered over the head with the same political or social messages when they want to just enjoy a ball game want to just enjoy a beer or whatever, just getting hammered over the head all the time or often, every time, almost like every time they turn around, they've got to hear something, and it's oftentimes very accusatory if you don't agree with those that are, uh, you know, overdoing it, so to speak. Well, uh, John, I'm not quite sure what the question was. Uh, you talked about well, pushback. Question, we are certainly pushing back against that in a variety of ways, but can you be more specific? What, are, what, what exactly are you asking me? No, what I'm asking is that, if basically asking for your opinion on the statement that sometimes when you, when a group or whatever pushes too hard, mm-hmm. that ends up getting negative reaction and pushback because they're pushing too hard. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would certainly agree. I would certainly agree with that. I mean, and you you mentioned a couple of the examples. You know, when you talk about having a beer without having this stuff pushed down our throat and all these other things. Uh, yeah, they pushed very very hard, and it did lead to pushback, and it's costing some companies billions and billions of dollars for that. But the reality is, and I'm sure you re- understand this, John, is is that then there is the third wave. They push too hard. They jam this stuff down our throats. They put it in our kids' classrooms. They put it on our store shelves. They put it in our parks, parades in our streets, going to our ball games, and so on and so forth. And then we push back. But when we push back, that's when they come right over the top with the accusations of bigotry, transphobia, homophobia, and so forth. And they push again. And it, that, that's why we call it a culture war. The question is, is who's got the resolve to, to win the fight? Who's got the willingness to fight the long game here? Because... What we get, I think, my personal opinion here, John, is that we get um, uh, a little bit caught up into the uh, in, in the uh, you know the momentary reaction. In other words, yay, we stop buying Bud Light for a few weeks. That'll teach them, and eventually we go back to old habits. Uh, yay, we stop talk uh, shopping at Target for a little while, maybe until Pride Month is even over, um, and then we'll go back to our old habits. When will we or will we have the guts to fight the long game and say we're not going to let that that third wave reaction, that pushback against us because we dared to push back, dissuade us? We're going to do it, you know, for 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 forever or or for the foreseeable future until changes are made. That's the real question. Does our pushback have only that, you know, that momentary reaction? Are we prisoners of the moment and say, yay, we won, we won something because we cost Bud Light's money, or are we willing to take this all? away and that's what i really hope is the case right i i do too and it, it's just it but you, as you had also mentioned it's difficult to do that in certain ways worrying about losing your job uh, you know yeah. and, and most people like most people want to get along with people they don't want to stand there and argue all the time about that that that's a couple of the issues 100 percent. nobody I, likes confrontation or very few people right. like confrontation You're and right i about hope that. that and i hope that <clears throat> other catholic priests in the diocese, will have the guts to uh, to stand up uh, at this obviously hate obvious hate group and not just uh, to talk platitude because it it need it needs it needs to happen. Well, I, I I concur with you, my friend, and I thank you for your phone call. And in fact, I'll I'll follow up on what you just said by saying this: every Catholic within the sound of my voice needs to tell their priest that come Sunday, they need to support Father Tim. In whatever parish you worship, to whichever parish you belong, you need to tell your priests, your pastors, to support Father Tim. Tell them, they I'm sure they know what's going on by now. It's, you know, a statement was issued by the diocese in support of Father Tim. But they need to do more than just say, well, the diocese already spoke up. The diocese simply said, you know, yeah, you know, we support Father Tim. That's great. I want somebody to do what Father Tim did. Make a statement during your homily about the attack on the church. Inspire your parishioners, Catholics all over this diocese, to support what Father Tim said in defense of the church. Inspire them. Don't let this go by and say, hope nobody comes for me the way they came for Father Tim. I hope God touches the hearts of every priest 
And, and uh, you know, we're focused on Catholics because of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They make fun of Catholic nuns. All right, that's who they mock. But it's all Christians because they make fun of Christ in all ways. You should demand of your faith leader, whether it be Catholic priest or whether it be reverend or pastor or whatever in your denomination of Christianity, you need to tell them it's incumbent upon you. It's, it's imperative. You must say something in support of, of uh, Father Tim in Bay Village at St. Raphael. You need to say something uh, in support of the church, in support of Christ. You should denounce the actions of these groups that are, that, are, that are just doing nothing but spewing hate at Catholics and Christians, because that's what has to happen. Leadership matters, and we look to our faith leaders to guide us in these matters. So I, I, that's all I'll say. I'll wrap it with that. I'll just say, don't just let Father Tim out there to twist in the wind by himself. And don't just say, we support Father Tim, and then move on. Say the same thing Father Tim said. Show the world that there is there is unanimity in our condemnation of that sort of radical hatred, mockery of Christians and Catholics. That's what has to happen here. Uh, Charlie, you're going to be our last call this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. Seven, eight years ago, gay marriage was uh, adopted by the Supreme Court. We've got all this craziness. I've been asking different candidates, especially the Senate candidates, if they think gay marriage has to stay. Bernie Marino says absolutely has to stay. I think absolutely has to go. We need to push back. It was a bad experiment. Abortion was a bad experiment. It took us 50 years. This is a bad experiment on our culture, and we have to get some more Supreme Court justices that will get rid of gay marriage. What do you think? Well, um, I, I think that's a bell that's going to be very... Thank you for the call, my friend. It's going to be very hard to unring now as long as it has been. Um, and I don't necessarily know that it has to happen for us to achieve our ends, which is to stop any of the worst things that's happened since then from growing worse. I think we need to focus on the future, much less on the past. But I do understand the point. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.